Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Pensinolette to my Hainer. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And who are these guys you're talking about? Yeah, who are these guys? New game, who dis? (laughs) It is time to meet Tetsuya Nomura's OCs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the ones that don't wear black cloaks. The ones that are subtly unimportant, but actually very important. (laughs) It kind of reminds me of Destiny Islands a lot, actually. Yeah, they like these are the kind of characters that we would have had on Destiny Islands if they hadn't just left in the Final Fantasy characters. He's had a couple. He's had a couple more years. He's removed the placeholders except for the one that gets to say stupid crap. Yep. <laughs> in, in this time, instead of being on, you know, a half abandoned island where they're you wonder if they're feral children or not. They're in town and they're explicitly talking about school stuff. Yeah. But the town, hmm, the town's kind of creepily quiet, but. So it's still a full town. I hope we aren't planning on leaving our listeners behind, my friends, because we need to explain what we're doing real quick first. <laughs> sure. So I've never stopped this before. That's I mean, we've always tried to introduce what we're doing at the start of an episode, haven't we? Yeah, though. We, okay. we can, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, we can go this out and have no, no. This is good banter. This is good banter. <laughs> <laughs> but I do also do want to keep things moving at a good forward pace because this episode is going to be long. so what are we starting today we are starting kingdom hearts 2 final mix in parentheses (laughs) well you might as well go with the final version first first draft usually has some confusion in it well final mix is the version that's available to us now in the year 2021 so that's probably the one we should be playing anyway it's a better one because it has critical mode i'm sorry jared i'm so sorry (laughs) we'll talk about that well i mean we can talk about that right now we've discussed it before the kingdom hearts games always had different difficulty modes now i always play at sort of a normal level but john when i got to two this time for this project he told me there was a really interesting difficult mode to play yep and that was critical mode now how did you describe it to me john critical mode turns kingdom hearts 2 into a character action game and his argument there was that because everything hits harder, but you get a lot of special abilities at the start. Yep. I found it turned me into a helium balloon in a cactus field. <laughs> but, but Jared, you played through most of the game without any, using any of the defensive skills that the game gave you, which okay. I'm actually kind of impressed by. <laughs> I am in a certain way incredibly stubborn. You can hit me at a fed up point, but you before that, you're just going to keep me barreling forward. And since those are some things I tend to misunderstand, often it's in in complete ignorance. Critical Mode is a new addition to Kingdom Hearts with Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix that increases the damage that Sora does, increases the damage that Sora takes, cuts his maximum HP in half over the regular difficulty, so his maximum HP at the end of the game is going to be 60 hit points rather than 120, and gives you 50 additional ability points at the start of the game and a shit ton of new abilities. It's great. Oh, yeah, it, it's just great. I mean, we'll talk about the part that I didn't realize you there was like a massive damage defensibility. So I was literally one hit away from death in multiple fights. I had to survive otherwise. Mm-hmm. But, and we'll talk more about the part that I actually finally reached the point where at the end of the game, in the end game, I couldn't proceed on the side quests. So, yeah, for me, I played the game on critical mode for the second time. The first time I played it, I kind of just wanted to get on to the next game eventually. So I didn't go for 100 percent this time. I got everything, and I took very good notes. <laughs> so I slowly went mad, and then John eventually felt bad for what he had done. Yes. And Matt, how about you? 
I have only done proud mode on Final Mix. I did not end up ah. doing critical mode. You should try it sometime. Maybe you'll have more fun with it than Jared did. Maybe. But between that and my difficulty with the Chain of Memories gameplay, I think I'm just going to resign myself to being the standard mode scrub for the rest of this project. Easy mode, oh. <laughs> I don't blame you. No, no, <laughs> it's good. It's fine. Uh, do not be ashamed to play the game at any difficulty level you like. Kingdom Hearts games are first and foremost meant to be fun. So play the, at the difficulty level that you find fun. And if you find yourself with John giving you advice on what's fun, make sure you determine what it is he enjoys. By the way, I'm going to be starting up a nightmare run of Trails in the Sky on my stream sometime soon. You should That's do that, fun. Jared. That's fun. No, no one should do that except me. <laughs> no one should play Trails games on any level other than normal. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, eventually I might also do a level one critical mode run on my stream at some point as well. Maybe if I can work up the effort for that. <laughs> so now we've litigated our personal experience and John got to get some shameless self-plugging in. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll go ahead and go forward. Yeah, we start out with a new Utada theme because we can't use the same one, but we use the same artist. So here's the thing. We could have used the same one. And they indeed will use the same one. But... They got Utada to make a new theme for this game because it's a whole new game. Why shouldn't we have a new theme? Chain of memories. <laughs> <laughs> we're also starting a new arc and Sanctuary is going to be the main theme of the arc that we're in going forward. The theme, as said in the English version, was called Sanctuary. The Japanese version was the word passion. The English mm -hmm. words, to be specific. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, I would call it one of Utada's more experimental songs. It is a lot more... Easy going then than simple and clean. I would call it more symphonic. Okay. Yeah, it's it sounds less like a kind of traditional J-pop anthem and right. more experimental. I think you're right. Okay. And the video that we get to go with it. Ooh, there's a lot to say there. Yeah. How does it start? First, I just want to mention that we know that Nomura wanted Utada back from the start. Like he actually described her by getting her back for a second song as part of their planning session for this game. So mm -hmm. that's just worth remembering. Yeah, I feel like that's a good thing to go for to continue establishing like part of the identity of the series is we're always going to get one of the biggest names in J-pop to come help us out. And so this song was made shortly after Utada made her American debut and started using the mononym rather than her full name, Hikaru Utada. And so this game also credits her as Utada, which is why we're doing that all now, too. So we start out with Sora in a night field around Castle Oblivion, which if you haven't played Chingin of Memories for some reason, if you're going with us, of course you have. It might be a little bit confusing. He's in that grassy field with a hilly look. You don't see the castle, but he's staring up at the night sky and his words and voice appear on screen like typographically flying in. A scattered dream that's like a far off memory. A far off memory that's like a scattered dream. I want to line the pieces up. Yours and mine. Yep, so it's clearly a continuation from the ideas of Chain of Memories. Mm -hmm. I kind of interpret that as almost like the goal of this entire game in many cases. I'm trying not to spoil too hard, mm -hmm. but we had that idea that Namine kind of put Sora's memories back together the way they were before he entered Castle Oblivion mm -hmm. at the cost of of remembering Namine herself and all of the things that have happened in Sora's life uh, mm -hmm. since Castle Oblivion. Which is unfortunate because there's probably some information he could have used in this game, like at least a little bit, you know? Yeah, two words ain't going to help, Jiminy. 
<laughs> so one of the things I like about this video is that it's cryptically recapping a lot of what happened in Kingdom Hearts 1. Right. It shifts between like imagery that sort of like catches where we were at the end of the last game to where we are now. And then also recapping the events of that game as well. So like we start with Kyrie alone sitting on the beach making a seashell jewelry, just a lot like the Oathkeeper. I don't know if this is before uh, Kingdom Hearts or if she's making another one. Well, it's hard to say because this is worth noting. Kyrie is in her design from the original game, like the outfit we mentioned before. And right. that's, that's not going to stay for long. So I just wanted to highlight it. Right. And then we switch to a scene where Sora, Kyrie, and Riku are on the brooding island, sitting on a tree, watching the sunset. There's a one really distinct tree that kind of has grown sideways at most of the way. So it's this great bench. It's a tree that they were sitting on multiple times in the flashbacks in the last game. And so this ties it very much to, oh, this is at the start of Kingdom Hearts 1. And to pair with that, both Kyrie and Riku scatter into dust. And then so does the entire island underneath Sora's feet. So then as Sora jumps into the white void, he lands in the rift at... At Hollow Bastion with Donald and Goofy backing him up and just swarms of shadows on the floating platforms around them. That would have been a nice way to do Kingdom Hearts 1. Just skip straight from Disney Islands to Hollow Bastion. Why didn't you like that, guys? <laughs> but then but then how will we learn how to speak monkey? I do not want to return to monkey. <laughs> Don't worry, we never will. The real plot was the friends we made along the way. We literally, yes. And then subsequently forgot almost every one of them in Chain of Memories. Because of a shiny little star pendant. Yep. So they fight their way through. I mean, uh -huh. Goofy does a pretty great little shield slam down on one of them. Mm -hmm. Just flans under, under him. And then we cut to Kyrie collapse in the room of the final door deep in, in Hollow Bastion. Mm -hmm. Yep, we have Dark Riku attacking Sora. Well, not even, not even attacking. He's staring at the door and then he just beckons out to him. And then it turns into a tsunami on Destiny Islands, but still Dark Riku. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then he turns into Ansem. He jumps in the air as he pans on him coming down. Riku's body scatters in the polygon triangles and then just Ansem's there, doing his badass arm fold. And then Sora misses cutting in half, but luckily opens up the door of darkness. Right. And so then that sort of gives us the beginning, late, middle, and end of Kingdom Hearts all in a very short few minutes. In an interesting little montage, we see Riku saying goodbye as the door closes, followed by Sora, you know, releasing his heart to save Kairi, and then Kairi saving Sora after he was turned into a heartless. They're, you don't know the context, but if you've already seen them, you'll recognize all these scenes. Yeah, it's a very good way to recenter the player, especially if they haven't played a Kingdom Hearts game in a few years like we all did back in the early 2000s. I mean, yeah, I played Kingdom Hearts 2 right away when it came out, but I had skipped Chain of Memories completely. I really mm -hmm. didn't have a Game Boy Advance. And then if you skip Chain of Memories, the next part's going to be very confusing to you in this video. And so then we have imagery of Kyrie on the island looking alone in the ocean with Star Shower, remembering Sora. Mm -hmm. And then we have her to symbolize her waiting for three years while... Well, one year. It's just one year. Or sorry, one year. While, Riku, while Sora and Riku were messing around in a castle, mm -hmm. uh, she morphs into her slightly older form. Yep. And she's still looking up at the sky. Yep. She poofs into the sand, like that sand effect again, and moves forward, like closer to the ocean. Right. It's also worth noting the Sora she saw, it's probably from her point of view the last time she saw him. She's reaching out to her from an opening gap and shouting something to her. And so Kyrie is basically waiting for the plot to start again. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, that is kind of going to be her role in a lot of these Kingdom Hearts games going forward. And it's 
kind of a pain. (laughs) But well, to symbolize that she she sings a line of the song Sanctuary, which, by the way, has Utada going through multiple masking, uh, playing some parts backwards. But as she sings, the the scene cuts back and forth from her mouth lip singing to Namine. So it kind of rapid fire passes from one to the other. You mentioned the backmasking. What is the backmasking lyric? There's one that appears over and over again. It comes out to I need more affection than you know. Utada is making a very interesting love song with a lot of very experimental vocal tricks here. And so then we move on to uh, reprising Chain of Memories a little bit. We have Namine drawing and Sora running up a staircase. So it's actually a really cool transition to like uh, it's Namine's doing a flip book. <laughs> yeah, she's drawing a flip book of the staircase walk. And so then it flips through the pages of her drawings and then it transitions directly into Sora running up a spiral staircase uh, in Castle Oblivion, fighting Heartless in there. And it is really cool. It is my favorite part of this video, especially like the way the song shifts in that part is really good. So that him, Donald Goofy has some more action shots. Donald uses thunder successfully. You get a glimpse of one of the Org 13 members with her face unrevealed and Diz kind of staring through the darkness. Then we have another match shot. Sora's in the Castle Oblivion Hall room, one of the many. He's fighting Marusha. Well, at the same time, uh, Dark Mode Riku is fighting Ansem. Mm-hmm. And then after we have those those fight uh, scenes, we have this animation, which I love this animation. Oh, yeah. It's Sora, Donald, and Goofy running up the spiral stairs of Castle Oblivion, while at the same time, Riku is running on the underside of the stairs upside down past them. The staircase is basically shimmering, like semi-transparent glass light in a dark void. Mm-hmm. And it's just these suspended stairs. So we see Sora, Donald, and Goofy running up them. And we see, for a second, we see Riku ahead of them. But it realized, because we see Sora again, then we see Riku going the other way on the backside of the stairs upside down, is that we most likely saw them chasing Repliku. Yeah, the, there's a whole lot of... Interesting details that you would miss if you had skipped Chain of Memories like 90% of the Kingdom Hearts players in 2005. Yo. It's like, well, I I, I can't remember my mind back then because I'm always someone who will look up stuff. I don't know it, but I don't remember looking through Chain of Memories plot at all. Um, well, I mean, we didn't really have much back then in 2005 on the Internet. We had Game Facts and they had scripts. But I never would read through a script on Game Facts. That never made sense to me <laughs> until now. And and basically now it's seen that if you don't know the context, you might come up with some very weird ideas what's happening. Because Sora bursts into Namine's room and she's drawn him inside that translucent orb from the end of the game. And then suddenly he's captured it. So you might think that he was just caught in a trap. Yeah, yeah. I actually do seem to remember, like, if I remember one thing about my thoughts about this opening way back then, I was like, holy shit, what happened here? Why? Who is this person that did this to Sora? I was like, she's got to be a villain, right? I, I just can't remember. It's been too long. But yeah, yeah. She's she's completely calm. She doesn't she doesn't like react with either happiness or anger. Though she's kind of flatly again mouths the lines of the song at her, and then Sora just falls back into whiteness. Mm-hmm. So then after that, we have this Sora falling into light after he's closed into the orb, and a. A, then a scene of Namine closing her book. As the white void once again breaks into uh, polygon triangles, and now he's flying towards Destiny Islands again, just this horizontally across the ocean. And then a new character falls out of Sora into darkness. You have this nice little scene of, of Sora, Kairi, and Riku all just sitting together. Sora's in the middle, and they're all holding hands lying on the beach. 
And then the camera, the camera, then the camera pans down in the darkness and someone falls straight from Sora's posture. Yeah, he kind of falls through the surface of the world almost. It's yeah, of it's a echo of the end of the opening for Kingdom Hearts 1, but with a totally different character, but who the opening theme has very clearly connected to Sora, especially as his dive to the heart starts with a bunch of birds scattering out and the stained glass floor rather than Disney princesses is a big panel of Sora and his friends. Sora, the lost Disney princess. Oh, no. <laughs> We're not going to keep making that joke, are we? He's got animal friends. We are not going to keep making that joke. We cannot keep making the joke about people being secret Disney princesses, you guys, I swear. <laughs> I guess we never get anywhere. Yeah, we would never get anywhere. Everyone's a secret Disney princess. Mm. So we so it's kind of cool because he slowly falls down, regaining consciousness and kind of lands gently on the dive to the heart. Yep. And it gets revealed uh, as basically birds of darkness fly off of it. It's really mm-hmm. a cool scene. And then we the very last second of the video takes us to the world of darkness that we saw very briefly into the deep dive video. If you played that and you beat the unknown and you got to see deep dive, you'd be like, oh, shit, these cloak guys are talking on a beach in this weird world of darkness thing. They never really call it world of darkness at any point in the story, but I feel comfortable calling it that because that's what it's called. It's the world beyond the door to darkness that Riku and Mickey went through. Uh, The one says, I went to see him and he, he looks like you. He looks a lot like you. And then they did. They spoke it really vague and one won't give the other one a name, their name. Yep. We, we kind of covered this, as I recall. Yep. And then the screen starts to do a fuzzy glitch and shifts through a bunch of scenes from Kingdom Hearts 1. Like you're cutting through a t- old TV static. Yeah, like very early Kingdom Hearts 1. Mostly Destiny Island stuff. I yeah. Think Riku's saying, like, we're stuck here. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. It's a it, it's basically like someone's having a Sora dream. Someone's dreaming out Sora's memories. And then who should wake up from the Sora dream but someone who is not Sora? <laughs> it's the same guy we saw uh, in the in the what you call it in the opening video. Yeah, opening yeah. video. Yeah, so we might as well not be coy. This is our new guy, Roxas, and he yep, he is the new main character have. of the game. <laughs> and he kind of looks like they decide let's look at the Sora protagonist look we gave Sora and let's permute that a few a little bit ahead. Unlike Sora, he is a lot more black and white in his clothing design. Very literally, he has che- he has checkerboard patterns across several parts of like the corner yeah. of his shoulders and the, the the midriff of his shirt, like thin stripes of checkerboards, and a at least one armband with the same. Mm-hmm. He's got spiky shonen hair, but it's a lot more like a must up bedhead uh, cowlick than Sora's giant poof. Mm-hmm. I kind of joke that Roxas looks a lot like Sora if he were made into Sora's evil twin. Basically, if you if you tried to come up with Sora's evil twin. It would be Roxas looking. But what but what do you mean, say about his pants again? I, I just found his pants fascinating. One of us made a horrible joke or when we were discussing this before about what his pants were. Does anyone remember? So Roxas's pants are essentially chaps. They're built in chaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got black pants down to about where shorts are cut off, and then it looks like they've been sewed on with gray leg yeah. leg sleeves. Is that what you call leg, them? leg sleeves? Let's call them leg sleeves. <laughs> They're chaps. That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> and it like it is. Nomura has now been given power to design whatever the fuck he wants, and he's using it. Yeah. And more power to you, Nomura. You you deserve it after all this yeah. time. Nomura is the sort of guy when he, when people tell him, you know, hey, Nomura, you've got to cool it with the belts and the zippers and the very large shoes. And Nomura just hears it and it's like. I will increase the thing. Yeah. It actually isn't like Lulu's dress 
from Final Fantasy X, sort of like a fuck you at people said you were drawing too much belts. Do we have any proof that he actually said I did it because people were being were being salty or is that just everyone's assumption? I, I at this point, it might just be apocryphal knowledge, but I want to believe it. I want to believe I want to believe in Lulu's belt dress being a fuck you to the fans. I said, but I said, but as you said, Roxas's colors, like his undershirt and the upper part of his pants are black. His overshirt is white with red trim. The chaps are, are grayish white. His shoes are black with whitish soles and red sleeves. He's wearing a black ring and a white ring as well as an armband. And he's finally got a necklace on that, unlike Sora's like crown, looks like he's wearing like cross swords, I would call it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of just four diagonal arrows in, in that diagonal arrangement. He's very black and white with red trim. And so you you thought you were playing a game with Sora again, people. Ha ha, silly you. The main character's Roxas. You got to be this kid. You thought it would be Sora, but it was I, Roxas. Oh, boy. I definitely remember back in the day being like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you, you got you got Raiden, not not Snake, right? Well, but it's a, but it's the exact it's the exact opposite order of that though. Like if it was Metal Gear Solid Two, you would be getting a uh, Solid Snake at the start of the game, like you expected. This time, you're getting a character that you're not expecting at the start of the game. And I feel like there were much like in Sons of Liberty, you kind of had some grumble about people. Questions. Roxas has a pretty good section ahead of him now. Oh yeah, this is the chunkiest story section in all of Kingdom Hearts Two. By a pretty significant margin. I actually measured out the uh, cutscenes of roughly 11 hours of cutscene. This is almost two hours of it. And this yeah. is wow. just this opening section. Mm -hmm. I just really am. I'm really excited to get going with this, though, because Kingdom Hearts 2 is where kind of mainline Kingdom Hearts really shows a lot of its potential, both narratively and mechanically. Oh, yeah. Because they nailed the formula on both of them this time. I think, yeah, I think Kingdom Hearts 2 is probably my, no, my favorite overall game is Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 2 is my favorite gameplay game in Kingdom Hearts. The story still has some points where I'm kind of like, hmm, you got, you need to work on that a bit. But <laughs> anyway, let's get on to that story, though, because we have a lot of time to go through here. Oh, yeah. So this is going to be a week in the life of Roxas in Twilight Town, which is what we get from the very first title card that pops up the first day. And Dawn, Dawn of the first day. Yeah. If I knew it, I would hum the theme from Majora. Which theme? There's a lot of them. I have the town theme. That's the one I always associate with that. Like. OK, anyway. Boy, we're sure talking about a lot of sequels that have kind of controversial views, huh? I wonder if that's like a thing that just happens in a lot of Japanese media where the second game tries to subvert things. No, it couldn't be. <laughs> well, first of all, we're going to go ahead and go to the usual place. The usual place. I don't think we've been here before. But no, these people have. And strangely enough, we got a break from traditions. We got a quartet now, not a trio of kids. What? <laughs> Nomura, what are you doing? You can't write four kids. <laughs> we got Roxas and we got his buddies, Hayner, Pence, and Olette. You got the slightly jockish kid. You got the girl kid. And you got the round comedy kid, as how I would describe these if I was being very facetious. I mean, I feel like that's a good enough description anyway. Hayner has a very athletic build. He wears a tank top. He looks like a tiny Final Fantasy character, is what I would say. We are not going to make Pence do the truffle shuffle, though. No, please. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, they they kind of are the Goonies, though, aren't they? They kind of are. <laughs> Even as someone who can't remember seeing that movie, I think I did as a kid, but no memories. I mm -hmm. know what you mean there. So let's kind of wear, you know, a little a flowery shirt, normal mm -hmm. 
no jeans. And Pence, for some reason, is wearing a headband. And what I would describe looks like it's like a band shirt. I, no, I think Pence is wearing like a very oversized uh, sports jersey. It's kind of that, like dog a on it. Yeah. Like kind of graffiti aesthetic as well. Yeah, yeah. Where is where is Dog Street? Um, somewhere in Shibuya, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just figured it was like a band logo. <laughs> the city's yeah. wearing his favorite his favorite indie group. Something like that. Whatever the case is, these kids are all fashionable because they're drawn by Tetsuya Nomura. Yep. So what what do we learn about these kids right out the gate? We learn that they are upset because Cipher, Final Fantasy name, has framed them for sealing something. Christ. I mean, Cypher. Anyone who remembers FF8 knows what that character is, and the fact that he's apparently part of this this petty kid squabble now, even if we assume he's de-aged, is just so weird. Like, Cypher is a smarmy git in Final Fantasy VIII, as it was originally... Like, the very first time I ever heard those two words together in that sequence was when someone was describing Cypher to me. And, like, I understood instantly both the meaning of the word smarmy and the meaning of the word git from that context. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. to this point, it's like whenever I think of the word smarm and whenever I think of the word git, those the very first thing that comes to my mind is fucking cypher. So I can I mean, totally see cypher from Final Fantasy VIII being kind of a petty bully. Oh, I believe he, it. It's just funny. Yeah. Cypher is blaming them for stealing something and they can't say what has been stolen. <laughs> the very word has been stolen from reality. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> That's not something that most people would just be like. Oh, huh, that's weird. Yeah, dang, that's weird. I wonder. I, I, we got to get back at him for 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 framing us. It's like the the more important thing is how did they even do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, guys, lolly lolo, lolly lolo, So basically, so they decide, huh? It's weird that our ability to speak has been altered. Let's go yell at Cipher for getting us in trouble. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but first, Roxas need to ha- needs to have a conniption. Oh, what does that mean? Basically, just suddenly, like, he just does the standard, ooh, I'm dizzy now. Something is weird, but we're not going to talk about what it is yet. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go to the Sandlot. Yay. Twilight Town is, unlike the more old-timey Disney-ish fantasy town that is Traverse Town, Twilight Town actually feels like a bustling city in some ways. Is there some reason the word that comes to mind when I see it is Port Town? I don't even think it has a harbor, but it really just has... It has a train station, and and the train can apparently take you to a beach. It makes me think a lot of a Japanese city. Yeah, like it's got really winding roads. It's got this big undertunnel, and the Sandlot is where they host a bunch of in-town fighting tournaments like you usually do in a town. Because the best game is watching kids fight with boffer swords. Yep. (laughs) So the Sandlot has Cypher's Gang, and it's another quartet. That's the Nomura. He's got his FF8 lackeys, Fujin and Raijin, and for some really weird reason, Vivi from FF9. I, the, 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 my brain is hurting. What is going on in this opening? <laughs> I mean, Vivi's, a, Vivi's always a, a popular character because he's got one of the best but story arcs in Final I Fantasy. I always say Vivi. Vivi, Vivi. I think you could go either. I've always gone with Vivi. But yeah, same. Uh, you can pronounce it however you want, because there is no voice acting in Final Fantasy nine. OK, so anyway, we meet up with this weird eclectic group. Mm-hmm. Fujin and Raijin, although we the players know them as Fujin and Raijin, are going by Fu and Rai, which actually is probably better as names because Fujin and Raijin feel more like code names. And like they immediately accuse us of stealing from that. Cypher's really mad that they stole from him because it was undeniable proof that they totally owned us lamers. Yes. 
That like that, I will say right now, that line of dialogue, Cypher's yeah. line where he says that was undeniable proof that we totally owed you lamers is like it's mimetic for Kingdom Hearts for a very good reason. But I'm also like, oh, shit, the writing of this game just got way better. <laughs> it's, it's like we took the guy who's wearing a badass long coat and like just kind of and heavy out and heavy. But and, so he, he's got his badass long coat, but he doesn't have any sleeves on it anymore. He looks like a shitty little kid now. No, and his midriff is, is completely visible and he's oh, wearing yeah. a black skull cap. Yeah, he, like, he like, a, like a winter cap. He's in maximum thug mode right now. <laughs> it's just it's just kind of wonderful. The character was one that I think in eight he suffered a little from the weird story of eight. So it's oh, yeah. kind of fun to see a new version of him. Like and you can really tell that they love these characters, even though they're not getting to do much in this world because they're just like they so they're doing so much work to just realize them. And then Vivi is completely not Vivi because Nomura wow. didn't design that character and was pissed <laughs> at having to putting that character in the game. So it makes Vivi act creepy. Mm-hmm. Well, I would just say already now they have more personality than our Destiny Island tree. Oh, yeah. They they feel like real characters right now. I mean, Fujin and Raijin still talk funny because that's just kind of how they do. Yeah. Raijin's has a quir- it kind of has a quirky end of line. She keeps saying, you know, in English and Fu barely speaks. Yep. So I believe in the Japanese, Fu just shouts single kanji and Rai just goes, what is it? Dana? Dane? I think it's Dana. 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 So, you know, that's just her saying single words and Raijin just prepping everything with, you know? <laughs> Rage! Uh, why is Japanese so much better at, at, at end of sentence speech patterns in English? Because Japanese is a object subject verb language rather than having the verb in the middle of the sentence. Exactly. So it's just easier to throw a weird verb on the end? Yeah, exactly. I've seen so many attempts at like trying to do that. Like you'll get cat puns if someone ends their sentence in ya. You'll get various attempts at like coming up with different kind of verbs. I remember in Fairy Tale, a lobster themed character who confused everyone because the end of the sentence was shrimp, Ebby. Oh gosh. Oh, uh, Fairy Tale's weird. In World of Final Fantasy, there is a little mascot character. And for whatever reason, the English version of it tried to translate its vocal tick as adding a the in the middle of sentences in front of words. And I do not understand how it got that. And it was really fucking annoying. Oh my. <laughs> The moral of the story is if you want to try and translate sentence enders, do not make it the. So basically, Cypher decides he wants to kick our ass. Yep. We get knocked away and then we get to pick up one of three conveniently appearing weapons to fight Cypher with. And they're yep. all boffer weapons. Yep, they're, they're all LARP sticks. <laughs> you got your LARP sword, your LARP staff, mm-hmm. LARP shield. Yep. And basically, how, what, does, how do you have a buffer shield? I can't figure it out. Yeah. Um, but in any case, what this does is it will give you a stat bonus of either attack, magic or defense, which are your three main stats in any Kingdom Hearts game. For me, I picked offense because in critical mode, defense kind of doesn't matter. You're going to be relying a lot more on defensive skills in critical mode. It looks like when well, I remember discussions, we all picked offense as we all just kind of focus on that. Yep. Is it John B is a critical me because I tend to like a high offensive fight build as best I can. And any particular reason for yours, Matt? Yeah, I also always take offense in these. So because I sort of like being a glass cannon, honestly. Kingdom Hearts 2 is designed in such a way that the glass cannon playstyle is kind of what it expects anyway. Going for that is fine. So once we pick that, we get the fight Cypher into a, a sort of tutorial fight for the whole struggle mode in which you beat the balls out of your opponents. Yeah. Quite literally, actually, Uh, the way the struggle battle works is that each of you is holding on to a big old sack of balls and uh, you have to whack each other with your sticks and make the balls fall out and gather each other person's balls up. 
I love them balls. Bone <laughs> persona on this man? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. This is getting a little bit too weird for me. Well, that, though, that's good news because now a weird flowing silver thing is just going to jump out of the bushes and grab someone's camera. Oh, no. What the heck is that? It's the real thief. The real thief. And so big Goonies energy. We just have to go chase the creepy thing over to old man Willie's mansion, which is in the forest right next to the right outside the wall of the town. Mm -hmm. You have to go through a hole in the wall to get to the spooky manor. And you have to go through this small forest that is also pretty spooky. When you hit to the manor, it might look familiar. If you played Chain of Memories, it'll look familiar. If you did not play Chain of Memories, it will, you'll be like, oh, this is nice. Cute little manor. If you didn't play Chain of Memories, the game kind of holds you in contempt. No, I mean, you don't have to have played Chain of Memories. So then the zipper headed silver jumpsuit thing attacks you and you fight it with your boffer stick and you're just not hitting it. It's, yep. it's just flowing around the hits. Yeah. Every single time you try and swing your boffer at it, it just sort of like flips out of the way. You can't touch it at all. Not dissimilar to how Sora's wooden sword couldn't hurt shadows. But in that case, it was a the shadows just like took no damage. This case is like you can't even hit it. It's too slippery. This thing moves really creepy. Like, it really just seems like it's slightly inflated clothing. It's. It doesn't seem to have any bones. It flows around. You can flip through the air and just spin around you like just a wrap. Uh, we find out later that it's called a dusk. I really like these enemies. They're really iconic and they well, feel really unnatural. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about this guy later. But I will also say that, like, I think of all the home runs in Kingdom Hearts monster design, this guy is one of the biggest S tiers that they've done, probably even like a triple S tier. It's such a perfect monster design. But then out of nowhere, suddenly the boffer stick shimmers and kind of like a cylinder of energy turns into the kingdom key. Oh, yeah. Wait, how can Roxas use this thing? I thought Sora was the only one who could use it. And maybe Riku, if he's being particularly saucy at the moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we've already established that the kingdom key is pretty fickle. So maybe it just goes with whatever. <laughs> Roxas wields it in one hand, much different from Sora's, like, this key's a bit big, crouching, two-handed wield. So, no, uh, Roxas is the one that holds it two-handed. Sora does two, mm. kind of, when he's in his idle position. Well, in Kingdom Hearts 1, when it was kind of big for him, he held it very low in two hands. Yeah, okay. Roxas is standing straight and just seems like the feel of the fight is about the same. He does seem to be a little bit more able to swing it as as at will. Right. It seems like he has always known how to use this, even though... This is the first time actually seeing it. So once we beat the crap out of this guy, we get back the ability to say a word. Yeah. That's weird. We get the pictures back as well as the very metaphysical concept of pictures. <laughs> well, is it picture or photo? I think it's I photograph think it's kind or of photo. Okay. So we find out that all of the pictures have Roxas in them. Yeah, like presumably Cypher's, I don't know, photo of them standing over his broken body, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, that's actually it, um, is... Uh, Cypher is just standing triumphantly over a beaten down Roxas. Yeah. But Pence looks at it and says, like, huh, maybe they wanted to steal Roxas. That is a weird idea. And they just sort of go, OK. Yep, perfectly normal, right? But that is, in fact, why Cypher thought it was their group, because they stole that picture of Cypher's victory. And a couple other miscellaneous NPCs also thought that they were the ones stealing, because, again, they had that common link. Yeah. Then Roxas hears Sora's voice. I forget exactly what Sora says. Basically, he's like, where am I? Who are you? And Roxas responds. And, and basically, that's as they just leave. Mm -hmm. As they speak, suddenly the, the screen scrambles off and we hear a computer. Yep. Restoration at 12%. Yep. 
something is going on. In front of a whole bunch of screens, we have our old buddy Diz, and someone walks up to him in one of the dark cloaks. Mm-hmm. And Diz is like, they found us. Yeah, um, Diz, like, I'm not going to try and steal a running gag from a more popular podcast any much more than this, but Diz can't believe this shit. I think that's just a regular thing to say when confronted with, you know, this shit. If there is shit that is unbelievable, it is perfectly reasonable to say that you cannot believe this shit. However, it is a running gag on a podcast I really like, and so. so our cloak guy asked why they were stealing photos, and just said, well, they're stupid, so they did stupid things. They couldn't tell the photo wasn't real. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's just data. All of it. Is, all of it is data. Yeah. Diz is starting to develop his character a little. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So now let's have some more Sora vision, mostly of Traverse Town. Yep. It's all the scenes of Sora meeting up with Donald and Goofy in Traverse Town and also stuff Beyond, with uh, Eric, Beyond. Yuffie. Yeah. So then the very next day, we get a, another title card that reads the second day. And, and Roxas wonders about his ability to make a giant weird key appear. Yep. That sticky swings doesn't do a thing. Yep. We had absolutely no indication of what happened to Roxas after his weird little run in at the manor. You know, they always went home. And it's cut in such a strange way that it's kind of like, did Roxas just sort of like teleport to the next day? So, yeah, he, he tries to pick up a stick, tries to turn it into a keyblade. And it fails miserably. So we just toss it and it smacks right into a guy's in a dark cloak's head. Mm-hmm. Oops. And the cloak guy. He's got nothing to say. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to say. He turns away without a word. I don't know if I found out that a weird guy in a cloak whose face I couldn't see was spying on me in an alley. I'd be a little bit scared. I might go to the cops. Well, you're assuming you just ran into a cloak, guys, the first time you've seen him. So, you know, let's not be too paranoid. Maybe just a normal cloak. Besides, if we go to the cops, we'll miss the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's time to get ice cream at the usual spot, y'all. Sea salt ice cream, in, in fact, which is apparently a pale blue. Everyone loves sea salt ice cream. We got to accept that now. This is the most popular ice cream in all of Kingdom Hearts. Everyone loves sea salt ice cream. And so and I swear I've looked up. So I, there's actually people try to replicate. I've looked at some recipes. I'm not a good cook, but I kind of would imagine if I could make them one way or another. I, I totally believe that we should try and make sea salt ice cream for this podcast and then post it. Yeah. By the time we, we start the next game, I will try to make sea salt ice cream. How's that? Yeah. Sea salt ice cream will be a very appropriate thing for the next game, in fact. <laughs> you know, it's the end of summer vacation. They're all lazy. They don't really want to do anything. Yep. So it's Maybe time to go to the beach. Yeah, they got to go earn money. You can go to the beach. And I can hear you just crossing out the way I typed money in my head, Matt. <laughs> while, while we were taking notes for this episode, the running gag was that every time John typed money, I would go back and replace it with the Disneyfied spelling. Yep. Yeah. So it's time to go do mini games for money. Yep. M U N M Y. Yeah, you have it's kind of kind of odd jobish sort of things, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of odd jobs around town. You can clean up trash by knocking into each other and breaking it that way. You can fly around putting up posters. You can swat some bees. You can bounce a ball to entertain people. You can push a cart up a hill with a great big bag on it. With a great big bag on it. That will occasionally pop up and be really difficult to hit, and it's annoying. I don't like that one. So you can basically stop pretty early with enough money, but if you get an even higher amount, you can get pretzels too, which means you'll get more AP. Yep. For me, the fastest minigame was junk clearing. You, you can usually get about 30 to 50 money per run, and it only takes like less than 10 seconds. I'm going to talk about these mini games a bit more at a later date because going through all of them is a part of 100% completion in this game. And it's I, also a bit of a grind. It is it is the biggest grind of the things. 
So after all the money slashed out money has gathered, the hood guy mugs us. <laughs> yeah, basically he gets tripped by this guy. He helps us up. And then we notice a minute later, our pouch is gone. Yep. And because the money got stolen. No beach. No beach. No beach. And even worse, because today is actually going to drop pretty bad for Roxas. His friends didn't see anything. They just saw Roxas fall on his own stupid butt and get back up on his own. Yep. So because they can't go to the beach, they just get ice cream and go up to the top of the tower over the train station. I mean, they look like they're about 40, 50 feet in the air, hanging over the edge with no guardrails. That's a little unnerving. Yep. It's a bit scary. Yeah. As they talk, just discussing summer, the screen fuzzes out again. Now we're at 28% completion. And we hear Diz calling a nominee to her. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes at this point, Roxas dreams of Disney and Nominee. As I recall, it's a bunch of different Disney worlds that we get to see here in the Sora Vision. So back in back in Diz's Diz Cave, he and like, the quote guy has the money pouch. He says, you know, that was kind of petty, wasn't it? Can we just make a beach? And apparently it's really hard to make a beach on demand. So, no, they're not going to do oh, that. No. Well, no, no, he said it's no, no. another entry. Oh, yeah. You, you can make a beach, but at that point you've opened another I.O. port and then they can start hacking it better. Yep. By the way, this whole thing, I find myself thinking of the movie Dark City, which is all about manipulation of memories and a false city. Mm-hmm. And trying to get to a beach is a character's motivation to find out that it doesn't actually exist. Personally, yeah. I was I was going for the Roxas show. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is also very Truman Show-esque in that regard, where circumstances contrive to keep the character inside the show. Perhaps some massive AI is trying to control societal events. Yep, that could be it. Mm-hmm. That seems reasonable. Someone wrote the note, Namine looks at her Shonen Boy Aquarium. Well, she's looking at her, her sauropod, and the yep. sauropod looks nice and sleepy. Yep. So now, the third day. Third day. We start with time freezing. I believe we're at the usual place. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just as they're having a good time, the friends just sort of like freeze in place, glitching out, and Namine just pops right in front of Roxas. Yep, everybody time freezes and glitches out, and Namine shows up. And just says, I wanted to meet you at least once. Yep. And disappears. I'm a fanfic writer. You're my current OC. Oh, no. <laughs> I wrote a D.O. time freeze joke in here, but I think I'm better than that. No, you're not. You are absolutely not better than that. Fine. Sa, Kingdom Hatsu. There we go. <laughs> we wrote here that was, a, once again in our notes, that Nominee probably feels kinship to the Roxas for reasons that are spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. We can't talk about it yet, but... Um, Namine and Roxas have a lot in common, unfortunately. So what happens next? Uh, so, yeah, then Roxas follows a mysterious stranger into the deep, dark woods. Wait, did she go to the Haunted Mansion? There's 999 happy haunts there. They're looking for number 1000. That's a good Disney reference. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't actually know that reference. You'll have to. Dude, you don't know. The oh, haunted, gosh. You don't know the Haunted Mansion. Have you? OK, have you been to Disneyland or Disney World in the last Ever. Ever. <laughs> I have. I'm being cruel. Like, that haunted mansion, there are 999 happy haunts in this in these walls, but they're always looking for one more. Huh. Just, you know, it's where Tony the Tiger is, is mocking you throughout the narration. Is that the same voice actor? Mm-hmm. Nice. I don't think I ever went in the haunted mansion thing. Ah, the haunted mansion was so good. Yeah, haunted mansion is just like, what are the best things at Disneyland? It's super easygoing, but it's also just like, really fun and they did a lot of cool technical wizardry with it it's it's really neat so basically it's like you know it's one of the original showcases of so many forms of stagecraft and optical illusion it's just great yeah it like is it still in effect at disney have they been keeping it maintained oh yeah it has different overlays different holidays holiday mansion is completely on top of things yeah um so if yeah next time you 
go to Disney, go to Haunted Mansion. Anyway, Roxas goes to the mysterious mansion into the deep, dark woods and completely surprisingly, he's attacked by monsters. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, and it's just a whole bunch more of these zipper buddies. Yep, a lot of zipper buddies. I also call them flappy boys, but... Flappy boys, zipper buddies. The point is, don't take them seriously. Yeah. Nomura monsters. Nomura monsters. Ah. Gotta catch them all. Oh, Nomumon. Nomumon. (laughs) This actually sounds a lot more like a Digimon name than it. (laughs) Yes, it does. So... Anyway. So we end up with Namine telling us to use the Keyblade while... If we could, we would, right? So luckily, just as we get charged, suddenly Roxas like just flashes. He's in the dive to the heart. Yep. Now we finally made it to where we were in the opening theme. So this time we, we get a second weapon selection of the old Disney style weapons from the first game. Yep. So this weapon selection does not affect your stat growth. It only affects which skills you're going to get when. The shield will give you more defensive skills early on. The wand will give you more magic skills early on. And the sword will, of course, give you more offensive-based skills early on. Basically, per John's suggestion, I went with the shield this time around. Yeah. Uh, on critical mode, I think there's nothing other than shield that you should take. Getting once more and second chance is a game changer. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> if you use them. Yeah, so since I did not do critical mode, I ended up picking sword, I believe. But I think I might have picked staff. I forget exactly. It's been oh. a long time since I played this one. Yeah, you fight with us. You know, we're doing our fight tutorial again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also get a ability tutorial as well. And at least for critical mode, you get a shit ton of starting abilities. You get 50 starting AP. Count them. There's way more than you need. Uh, you get a ability called reaction boost, which stri- increases the strength of reaction commands, which we will probably go into greater detail on when we talk about big fights. I think the big boss fight coming up is a good time to discuss it. Yeah, um, there's finishing plus, which increases the damage of your finishing moves and your combos. There's draw, which will pull in all the little money and other orbs and other orbs into you. You get two lucky luckies to increase the drop rate of things, which is very good. You get MP Hastera, which will increase your MP restoration, which we will talk about a bit more in the next episode once we get MP. Yeah, so we're at damage in, damage out, skillful play. So John offered it to the guy who tends to just button mash his way through things. Yep, yep. <laughs> I acknowledge it. I'm a kind of a masher. I'm, I'm, I have some skill as well, but that is kind of where I default. I, so I am normally a button masher type player as well. Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix Critical Mode actually encouraged me to like really freaking learn the game and be good at it, which... Hey, all the props to it. The only other game that I've really played that's like really encouraged me to get good at it was Hades. So good on (laughs) you. We already discussed the dust. So I just kind of want to mention about nope. This type of creature we find out are not a form of nobodies like was mentioned Mm -hmm. in um, Chain of Memories. They're very distinct from Heartless in a very effective manner. Yeah. They all tend towards like Heartless are kind of shadows taken form. These things are far more formless. They tend to change their appearance, swell, like uh, completely change body configurations, change size and like size of parts. Mm-hmm. They seem to warp reality through their very body. Yeah. It's like their forms are barely holding together and they use that for it. It's like yeah. some of them will just turn from feet into whole bodies all at once. Mm-hmm. And they kind of morph their hands into spikes when they attack, which is yeah. neat. And that's just the dust. They get even more crazy with the later ones. Yep. So then, then because we're fighting nobodies, we rather than fight a dark side, we got to fight one of their versions of it. We got to fight the Twilight Thorn, which is a way cooler in the name than Dark Side. 
it looks kind of like a dark side that it's a huge big limbs of creature but it's got clown shoes yeah it looks a bit like a jester dark side it's got this great big scarf and it's of course white and silver and it fights crazy yeah it floats through the air it like it appears above you like gravity doesn't exist like just faces down it, it wiggles like its bones are there like it's being dragged by its hands or feet it just flows around you and then just mm-hmm. shoots spikes like like a field of thorns that starts like flowing around you and that's when you first learn about reaction commands for real and honestly, like, I think the coolest part of the fight is that unlike the dark side, which will just kind of like be a big guy standing around the arena, Twilight Thorn will jump outside the arena and start knocking it around. This is where Kingdom Hearts 2 starts really turning the spectacle up to 11. The scribe is like, you know, basically you lose sight of Twilight Thorn and suddenly the whole field up and tips over. And you see that he's hit it and now it's been turned sideways, you falling. And now above you, he is like summoning this giant ball of energy to blast you. But you get the chance to reverse it with your reaction command. Hit triangle when it tells you. Yep. Reacting commands are going to be a thing that almost every enemy in this game has, even regular enemies. It basically makes little fight cutscenes. Yeah, little fight cutscenes, special commands for dealing with monsters. It is, I think it's a really good system. They're not dissimilar to quick time events, but they are still a lot more kinetic than them. There are some of them that require a lot more skill than any quick time event I've seen in video games. I think mm-hmm. I think the reaction command system is really good. It's cool, yeah. So finally we beat him, though he can be pretty miserable. Like I said, he will literally just be all over the place with something that's so big that when it's when it's sideways, it covers the entire arena. So when you win against boss fights in this, you'll usually get some kind of stat up or ability. In this case, you get the guard ability. So finally, and then Roxas falls into the darkness again. Mm-hmm. Nominee grabs him and pulls him into a white room with him. And she just she doesn't let him talk. And she asks, do you know your true name? Mm-hmm. And then this is Buddy here grabs Nami and like, nope, it's not time for that. And Roxas say, hey, you mugged me. Give me my money back. Because he's really on top of the plot. Yep. And so then Roxas just is forced out of the... It's it's way funnier than that. He he makes one of those black portals appear and just kind of boofs Roxas into it. <laughs> Guys, we got to hurry up. Cypher's posing. We need to see it. What we forgot is that when Roxas fights the monsters, he gets chased back to the Sandlot. And Cypher's like, oh, okay, I'm going to fight them instead. Mm-hmm. So we come back and Cypher's like, I won. Look at how great I won. Take pictures of me. Right. And for some reason, Hayner shows up and it completely thinks that you decide that you want to hang out with Cypher today. Yep. He looks so fun. Yep. We now have a very awkward fight with Hayner going on. Well, it's kind of been a really cruddy week for Roxas. This is the last thing he needs. Yep. I think Roxas talks about going to the beach tomorrow, but Hayner already has plans for tomorrow. Because tomorrow is the day where everyone fights each other. Yep. Tomorrow is the struggle tourney and Roxas almost forgot about it. And Hayner is just extra pissed now. I mean, Roxas hasn't been all there this week because he's been fighting battles of the mind. But by the way, Hayner doesn't take a moment to say that Fu and Rai are claiming Cypher's acting like the protector of the town, like he's the fucking neighborhood watch or something. I mean, they are the disciplinary committee in Final Fantasy VIII. So, of course, they'd be the self-appointed defenders of the town in Kingdom Hearts 2. Like a little bit like a less less sexualized Gamagori from Kill a Kill. Oh, no. <laughs> almost ha- I said I, you. it's hard not to be a less sexualized version of that. that, that those care. Are you a character in a trigger anime? Congratulations. You are sexualized. <laughs> so as Hainer storms off, we scramble up again. Now we're at 48 mm-hmm. percent. And the cloak guy asked if that was a fake nominee, but no, it was a real one. And now Diz is pissed because she's ruining everything. Yep. Uh, Diz just wants to have this Roxas buddy doing things the way Diz sees it, and Namine is messing with that. Look, she put a virus in our mission control. This is going to make everything wrong. No one seems to actually care much about Roxas, though, here. Diz says as long as she does, well, as long as we fix our goal, it doesn't matter what happens to Roxas, which is not great. Yeah, Sora's kind of a means to an end for him. Well, Roxas. 
Well, Brox's hand sore, really. Oh, sorry, yeah, so- Rox is kind of a means to an end for him. So, so we get some sore memories. Now it's Howl Bastion. Yep. And also how he's separated from the Final Fantasy characters. Like, we'll never forget each other. Yeah, I have in my notes from this flashback serve to remind that Sora did something crazy last game. He stabbed himself, and that was somehow the right option. Yep. And, and as we're going to soon learn, maybe kind of-ish, it so, is an important option. <laughs> Yeah, so Roxas takes a moment on the fourth day to see if he can make a key. Still no good, but that's okay because it's struggle tournament time. Are you ready to rumble? Are you ready to struggle? Are you ready to struggle? This match is scheduled for 100 balls. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm a picture of the only even moderate wrestling fan here. That still works. Um, so let's. So we're, we're we're staying strong on our Final Fantasy character streak because what do we got? We got Setzer, who is one of Nomura's designs from Final Fantasy VI. Setzer is the thirty-year-old guy who is the champion of the struggle tournament, where every other entrant is like a teenager. Yeah, he <laughs> he is that like really shitty old guy that shows up at the card store with a completely tricked out deck for Magic the Gathering tournaments. Well, I, I like Pokemon. Pokemon. I was going to say Pokemon, too. Yeah. Fair. Just because you're just beating on the kids there. Yep. <laughs> now that we've seen five Final Fantasy characters, uh, and that's about like half of the characters we've met so far. Not to mention our flashback old ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Kingdom Hearts 2 is the Kingdom Hearts game that completely doubles down on Final Fantasy influences. There are so many Final Fantasy characters running around in this game. It's kind of kind of crazy. So to my understanding, there must have been qualifiers earlier because we're starting with the semifinals. Yep. I mean, Roxas didn't miss them because he's in the semifinals. We yep. got him, Hayner, Vivi, and Cypher. Yep. Setzer has all the fangirls. That is just so, so worrying. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the struggle promoter uh, def- introduces Cypher as the head of the Twilight Disciplinary Committee. Which is a great title for a bully. Yeah, you know, he's got the state behind him on this. And now we're in a topic where you should just walk right by. Yep. Before you can go into the actual tournament, you can practice by beating up Cypher. And who wouldn't want to beat up that smarmy git? So basically, you're going to be Hainer in the final. Oh, no, wait, we're fighting him first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, this but, they're is, friend, but they're friends. Yeah, this is like very shonen tropish. Like you want the two friends to meet in the finals, but no, the main character has to fight the big bad in the finals. So they got to fight friend earlier on. I think he'd at least fight the rival like character in the finals, but no Cypher then loses the Vivi. Yeah. Yeah. Vivi, Vivi is very scary now. And Cypher is a giant prat who's annoyed that it's definitely not Vivi. And he rage quits. I mean, it is worth knowing Vivi looks like his design makes him look like a heartless. Yeah. So he's got the shadow-like appearance and yeah. the glowing eyes. Yeah, he and he's just staring. Yeah, and he's laughing. He, he he's, he's laughing. He's yeah. bouncing all over the place. He has a very weird attack pattern when you fight him in the struggle tournament. So of course, once you beat him, he turns into a flappy boy. Yeah, time freezes again, and he turns into a dusk, and a whole bunch of dust show up. Yep. Roxas takes his keyblade back and beats up all the dusks. But time doesn't restart. Yep. And and someone has broken the cloak rule and has put his hood back on, but immediately takes it right off. It's Axel. Well, did we ever see Axel with uh, with the hood up in Chain of Memories? Fuck. <laughs> Not sure if we did. Fuck. But, you know, but, you know, we this, got and we get a funny little scene happens here. Roxas. All right. Fight, fight, fight. You really don't remember? It's me. You know, Axel. Pulls his hood off. Axel? Talk about blank with a capital B. 
Man, oh man, even the dusts aren't going to crack this one. Wait a sec. Tell me what's going on. This town is his creation, right? Which means we don't have time for a Q&A. You're coming with me, conscious or not. Then you'll hear the story. And then something like a, like a presence appears on Roxas, and he, Axel immediately looks... Uh-oh. And Roxas just looks at Keyblade and just completely fed up, flings that at the ground. What's going on? But of course it pops right back into his hand. Number 13, Roxas, the Keyblade's chosen one. Okay, fine. You asked for it. That's more like it. And they have a fight. Once the fight is over, you get scan. Yeah, so the fight with Axel is... Uh, is this this isn't as the full intensity that we get later yeah. on, right? You fight Axel, he's using some of his moves, but the arena's still the sandlot, and you get the feeling this is kind of sounding out. It's clearly an early fight. Yeah, this is a warm-up. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, proven by the fact that the end, Axel's just fine. So the scene continues after the fight. Not bad, Roxas. And then Diz appears on the screen. So it was you. Roxas, this man speaks nonsense. Roxas, don't let him deceive you. Roxas. 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 And then completely overwhelmed by all these guys yelling at him, Roxas is just clinging to his own head. Hainer. Pence. Olette. Hainer. Pence. Olette. Snap back to reality. <laughs> and Vivi is lost and has no idea where he's been recently. Yeah, Vivi is completely mystified and has no idea how he got here. And so now you got to have a title match with Setzer. Like, nothing like, just happened. This is, like, poor... Roxas is having a hell of a week. Yeah, this week is not going well for our poor little boy, who... Our poor little protagonist stand-in. So, you, in the fight with Setzer, Setzer tries to get Roxas to throw the match and calls Roxas Rucksack, which... I, this guy is just, he's just lovely. Now he's beating up kids. He's trying to pay them off because he can't win. Quick little sidebar before I go into what happens to Setzer. Um, I do remember back when I was still looking at scans for uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 still coming out of Japan. And I saw Roxas's name spelled out in Katakana, and I thought his name was Rock Sauce, as in R-O-C-K-S-A-U-C-E. Sauce. Rock Sauce. Sorry by over, I beat up Setzer with all 200 orbs. <laughs> his life is a chip. His, his life is a chip in our hands. Ante up, so we beat him and the house wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and Roxas gets this cool trophy, which is just like a bunch of branches with little orbs on it. Yep. So let's break the shit. There's a little crystal on the end of each of the arm of this trophy. Each one is a different color. There's basically there are four crystals from Final Fantasy. You got a blue one, a green one, a yellow mm -hmm. one and a red one. And Roxas gets the blue one. Yeah, they just breaks them right off because that was their plan all along. Yep. Aren't they going to need that trophy next year? Yeah, they have the trophy. They're doing this separating of, of the pieces of the trophy on the tower again, celebrating the victory on the tower. And then Roxas falls to his death. Yeah. No, don't do that. He just falls. He just suddenly gets dizzy again, just falls and just flat out in the middle of him fall. And we get a static cut and, we're, and now we're with Kyrie. Yep. Kyrie and Selfie. They actually aged up selfies slightly. Well, yep. we just put her in a school uniform. Yep. Titus and, Titus and Waka are at the ball game, which means we aren't aging them up. Though I think they've changed the pronunciation back to Titus for this. I'm pretty sure Titus is the official one, but... Yeah. Like, it, it's inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. So Kyrie and Selfie are talking. It's like, do you remember that one and only one guy that you used to hang out with? Yeah, and... Riku. <laughs> yeah. And Kyrie seems to think there's another, but she can't quite remember. In the meantime, I'm just hearing Cowboy Bebop in my head as Roxas continues to fall to his death. <laughs> I think we kind of I think we kind of get the impression here 
that whatever Naminé is doing with Sora and Sora's memories and whatever relates to his memories, it also affects people on the outside. It doesn't just yeah. affect Sora, but how I mean, people remember Kyrie as well. Kyrie and Selfie don't seem to remember at all, though Kyrie says recently she thinks she remembers someone. Mm-hmm. Then Roxas starts talking to her in, in her brain. Yep. They have a little mental connection. Yeah. And Roxas is like, you're that boy he likes. And somewhere Sora goes, fuck. No, Roxas says you're that girl he likes. Girl he likes. Yes. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Riku question. Yeah, Riku question. Uh, Sora has two hands. Whatever. And he eventually comes up that it starts with an S and then Roxas hits the ground, not with his head. And then Kyrie sends out a forgery. We can't make that joke yet. Okay, then delete it. Nah, I'm not gonna. We're kind of in the non-toxic uh, chain of memories because Kyrie now realizes she's barely remembering someone she made a promise with. Mm-hmm. But there's no evil organization directly banking on her memories here, so she just kind of has this time to remember his name on her own. Yep. And then we get restoration at 79%. And Hood Guy has the blue crystal. Fuck. How did any of that happen? Uh, hearts, connection, uh, memories. Jargon. I don't know. I'm just sitting here at, the, at these computer screens playing Minecraft. Mm. <laughs> kind of is. Kind of is, yeah. Or it's The Sims, perhaps. So... Diz tells us that Naminé can interfere with the hearts of Sora and those aligned with him because of the way she was born. Hmm. 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 And then Diz asks the hood guy his true name. You know your name? He takes off his hood. I am Ansem. And Diz just Sorry. fucking laughs at it. Yeah, it's like, oh, of course you are. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> Div just laughs at how dumb it is. And I haven't. I see in our notes we have repeated yelling of chair room over and over and over again. What does that mean? Well, it's because I don't want to go over half. Oh yes, go to one of my favorite set pieces in this entire goddamn world, and that's the Organization Thirteen chair room. Yes, I want you to imagine a like ring of big columns all in the center, like it's like a damaged coliseum with all different heights, but they're all chairs. Like the top is, there's a chair back, like it's attached on the longest legs possible. It's the most impractical thing I've seen. There's a good 20 feet of height difference between the highest and lowest ones. And they're just in this room separated like 30 feet apart. And you can't get to any of the chairs without teleporting. Yeah, I cannot imagine. There's no ladder. I can't imagine jumping that high unless you're literally a superhero and just they'll just sit there. I mean, I think you can just sort of teleport up there if you're one of these guys. So, right. That's I said. Like I said, I can't imagine any physical means. So I agree with Matt. Yeah. So Axel's there. Now, oddly enough, not complaining about his chair, but second complaining he doesn't like what he's have to do. He doesn't want to do something specifically. He doesn't want to kill he doesn't want anybody, to... though. He doesn't say exactly, but it's not hard to guess. Yeah. The whole idea is it's like you can't seriously get rid of him. Yeah. Um, Axel wants Roxas to, quote unquote, come back. Yeah. And the rest of the organization is all gung ho about getting rid of him. Yeah. There's two other cloaks there. One of them's talking to him and kind of have a very snobby old man voice. Yeah. Like, so they're both keeping up their cloaks. And the other guy, he's at level two at Cloak Club. He ain't talking. Yeah. He's just sitting there ominously. Yep. <laughs> And and Axel's like, oh, you're going to turn me into a dusk, aren't you? Yep. And then Roxas wakes up. Yep. It's Groundhog Day. He ran to a truck, but he's fine. Shit. <laughs> now it's homework day on the fifth day. And when Roxas asks if he if he died, they don't seem to know what he's talking about. Yeah. We literally waited till the last two days of summer vacation to do our homework. Yep. That's natural. Fortunately, our homework is apparently just like we have to do some kind of report. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, let's go ahead and solve a mystery, rewrite history. 
specifically, they're going to go investigating the seven mysteries of the town, which is sort of like, like I always seem to notice that trope in Japanese uh, school uh, storytelling is the idea of like the seven mysteries of the school or the seven mysteries of the town or something like that. The seven ghost stories, the seven yokai, the seven ghosts. Yeah, yeah. All things like that. Like, and... Well, seven is in Japanese culture. It's a very, it's an auspicious number. You take the train out to the other side of town. Which is kind of like all full of more buildings, the higher levels, bridges, a mm-hmm. train running through with no guardrails. Yep. And so the, the seven mysteries for this town... Are kind of simple, honestly. Yeah. Oh, well, so there's one little scene that we have before we go get out to there, though. Uh, on the train out there, all the friends pull out their little crystal orb. And Roxas can't find his. This week is really bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. It, it's kind of creepy, though, watching all the other kids just sort of staring at their orb. They don't seem to react to him not having it, at least. Yeah. Roxas kind of had this moment where he's like, did I fall and die? But he doesn't like, remember it very clearly. <laughs> and the others are kind of like, well, I feel like if you ask that question again, you kind of will know the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, the mysteries, I don't know, they kind of feel like busy work to me mostly. They're, so they're kind of a false reality twist on the whole trope, though. Yeah. The first one is just Raijin was a fucking idiot. Well, <laughs> yeah, it was count stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time the... I go up these stairs, it's a different number, you know? Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. So it's the whole idea of the stairs are a different number going down from coming up. And it literally is just that Raijin fucking doesn't know how to count. <laughs> the second one is there's just balls shooting out of a wall. Do y'all remember that uh, weird... I, did, I never played it, but do you remember that fucking weird kids game, Mr. Bucket? Yes. That was always advertised on TV. Yeah, balls fly out of his mouth. Yeah. I, like That is what comes to my mind when I see this one little mystery. It's just balls come flying out of this wall. And then once you get to the wall, suddenly it just stops, probably because Diz fixed the glitch. And yeah. then your friend's like, oh, you were throwing balls, and that's why I couldn't see them out of this blind corner. Yeah. Anyway, a little bit down the way, you go into this a one of the under tunnels of the city. And inside you, you find, find Vivi. And Vivi. And Vivi. And Vivi. Wait, that doesn't seem like a right number. Yeah. Um, there's that's a huge swarm. Vivis. Yeah, there's a huge swarm of Vivis that are going after you. And it, and it glitch and you glitch out again for a second, but then they're just gone. And no one seems to know what this mystery was. Although they decided it was just Vivi practicing his boffer. Yeah, yeah. Do you also see a little dusk float away at this point? Yes. Yeah. I think that Vivi's turned into a dusk again because Vivi is constantly a dusk in this. Yeah. Fourth is a waterfall that makes a ghost Roxas. Fight the ghost. Yeah, it's ghost. It is a um, it's a bit like the shadow link thing from uh, Ocarina of Time where your reflection turns into something you fight. But in this case, it's just another glitch that you beat up. At this point, your friends aren't even commenting on the real answer. Yeah. It's just happening. Yeah, this is just shit that's happening to Roxas and no one else is noticing. Like the fact that a bag starts bouncing around and he has to ride it. And that's your fifth mystery. Yep. It is. You ride a bag around like a bucking bronco. It is weird. (laughs) The sixth mystery is a bit more plot based. Yes. The sixth one is a bit more plot based. It actually happens. Like it's about it's the ghost train. Mm -hmm. It's a train that seems to come from nowhere and go nowhere. I mean, Hayner's like, these are all just misunderstandings. I just imagine Roxas with this, this mouth with a gape, finger up, like, ah, uh, yeah. what? Because <laughs> Roxas actually sees the purple magic Disney train. Yeah. And nobody else saw it at all. It's got the Sorcerer Apprentice hat on it, just this whimsical thing. And like, let's all go. And they all follow him to the train station. They're like, actually, we're not seeing anything. What's wrong with you, man? Yeah. Um, they actually stop him from trying to go in the train and like, dude, it's dangerous. And then 
Roxas looks back and there's no train there anymore. And then the next train is coming. So the seventh one, and at this point, they decide you're done with the mysteries. They're like, Roxas is like, wait, aren't there seven? Ah, you're silly. Let's not bother with that. But he, but he pushes pets. He pushes pens and says the seventh one's the girl in the mansion. Yeah, apparently there's this weird girl that appears in the window to the mansion if you look. Ooh, so, of course, we go do that. And suddenly, Roxas passes out, and we're in what was like a first-person view in the white room. Again. Yeah, Roxas goes on a vision quest into Nominee's room. Like, he's just looking through there. There's pictures. There's one with him and Axel hanging out. Are they both in black coats in that picture? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. Picture of Sora down the Goofy. Yeah, and so we learn that it has been a freaking year since Chain of Memories happened. Sora is asleep still, though. Yep, Sora ha- is still asleep. Something has happened that has made it very difficult to reconstruct his memories. To be filled in later. <laughs> but she does say Roxas holds half of what Sora is. And Ro- Sora needs him to be complete. Right. But not many then I was like, yeah, I kind of broke his brain. Sorry. Kind of sort of on purpose, but... <laughs> also, you're not supposed to exist. Oops. Oh. This is a weird day, and then Pence just knocks Roxas out of it. It's like, oh... Wind's blowing curtains. That explains it. Yeah. Rox is still just flabbergasted. Yeah, Roxas. This is like the absolute fucking worst day for Roxas. At reality, is breaking at the seams. Mm-hmm. Roxas got pulled out of his fragment to meet the creator of his reality. God damn it. We can't make those jokes yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not editing them out. <laughs> and he just and so Pench just says, yeah, it was just a curtain flapping and wins the others. And Roxas just he's just got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's like, you know, there's only two days left. What? Summer vacation. <laughs> oh. Yep. And then we have another scene of, you know, of, of the Batcave. Yep. With Diz and Ansem. Ansem's like, why'd you show him the train? Because he missed the beach. Yep. It's basically it's like, like those it, don't add up. It, it is his consolation prize to the kid who he's about to delete from existence. Yeah. The dick. Speaking of deleting from existence, he asks our Ansem here. He's like, so the holes in your memories are, cl- are closing up? He said, Yeah. And Diz goes on to comment how that's kind of everyone that was connected to Sora. And like he's like, very soon he'll be that good friend you just weren't thinking about for a year, but now you are again. <laughs> and Diz wants revenge. Yep. And also and get rid of Namine. Yep. Yep. Diz says that Namine also needs to disappear when this is all done. Yeah. She was also never meant to exist. Ha ha ha. Restoration at 97%. Yep. And we're and we are looking at the end of the world. Yep. We have the final bit of Kingdom Hearts dreams that end of the world. I'll get all the way to an in-engine recreation of Deep Dive. Where the two mysterious figures fight. One appears to look like Riku say, like, why do you have the Keyblade? And the other just hits them with it. Mm-hmm. The sixth day. Yep. On the sixth day, Roxas is no longer tangible. <laughs> yeah, things have just broken. He goes and sees his friends. They're just acting normal. They walk right through him and don't see him. <laughs> Roxas is just completely... He is completely lost at this point. So when he sees Axel, he decides to see what could happen. Sidebar, by the way, like one of my absolute biggest fears is just like in general is continuing on existing. But no one I know responds to me. Speaking of that, just I agree with you entirely. Yeah, that is why I found Sugar in One Piece such an incredibly terrifying character. <sighs> that is one of the one of the least powerful physical characters in that series. Is one of the most terrifying monsters they yeah, yeah. ever made. Like she touches you, and not only are you a slave, like transformed into a tiny slave thing, no one ever remembers you existed. Yeah, like it, just in general, like this is like. This is this is getting into my big, deep fears is this kind of isolation. I said, maybe we should read more different manga also. 
<laughs> Maybe. So, yeah. Busk and Axel corner Roxas. Well, so Roxas isn't even in pictures anymore in this. Like, get, go, go even further into the whole, it's not like you never existed thing. You, you, it's it. It's you never existed. Yeah, it is so fucking cr- like that just digs into my soul. And as I implied, now Axel shows up and say, well, now I have to kill you. Yeah. And Rox is like, wait, but we're buddies, right? <laughs> and then here's where I, I got to go into Simpsons here because it's like Axel's like, OK, what's our boss's name to prove it? I don't know. Oh, beer. Yep. So he doesn't actually remember everything at this yeah. point. He was just trying to bluff oh, with Axel. Yep. It's not even a bluff so much as he's kind of concluded based on evidence. Yep. I don't even see it as him trying to trick him. He's just trying to piece scare what he knows. Like, so I think we're friends. So Axel's disappointed and he's just going to kick your ass. Yep. But, you know, Diz hits pause. Yep. And beckons Roxas to the mansion. So I don't know if he unpauses or if he just was bluffing for a second. Mm. I'm really not sure because he's like, oh, so the one I know is gone. Hmm. So finally, we go over to the the mansion and we finally meet another kind of these kind of enemies with the dusks. Yep. Uh, so these are going to be assassins and they're kind of like these weird land shark things, though. They don't look like sharks. They look like sandworms. Sandworms. They remind kind of. me of some form of sandworms that like they have really long protrusion, like they have long overlapping scale spikes. So every nobody has a special reaction command as well. And for assassins, their special reaction command has you rip them out of the ground and throw them to it. It's kind of cool. But when you get them out of the ground, they transform into semi-humanoid figures, and those spikes become Come like long, long limbs with just the uh, stabby implements on them. Yeah, they're really cool. Pretty nasty if they get behind, if they get like on top of you, or if you get swarmed. Yep. And then when Roxas gets pretty swarmed, the cloaked guy that has been talking to Diz for a while ends up showing up and summons the Soul Eater weapon, which we should recognize as Riku's weapon from yep. the dark side form. Yep. Which, if we consider where we left Riku left, that's kind of worrying because yeah. we were still going to fight against the Ansem in his heart. Yep. But now we have someone calling himself Ansem using his weapon. Yep. So he, But he does still save Roxas. Yep. He helps Roxas get into the mansion. Now, remember how I talked about walking feet? That's the Creepers. <laughs> Those are such weird enemies. They're they're almost like, uh, you know, something out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Remember there being just like disembodied walking shoes that would step all over things? Yeah, they're, and it's, they're Tessie and Amura fever dreams about Toontown is what these things are. <laughs> <laughs> so Roxas has one more flashback after these fights where he actually remembers Axel trying to stop a Roxas in the cloak from leaving. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Axel's like, you can't turn on the organization. Rock's like, I need answers. Mm-hmm. And the group's kind of bad. <laughs> yep. Nami's like, and then out of the flashback, Nami's like, eh, kind of bad. Yeah, maybe. And Diz shows up and it's really fucking terrible. I, I wrote this as Roxas asks Nominee, what's going on? Nominee turns into a bunch of squares. Roxas, yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's like she got pushed out of the recreation and then disappears. Like she, he knocked her out because yeah. he's holding Nominee now. Nobody, yep. Nobody's don't get to ask questions or exist, yeah. Diz. I mean, you're a, dude, you're a nobody. We need a somebody. This is the Sora somebody um, simulation, the S3 plan. Yep. We are here in Metal Gear Sora Sons of Dizzardy. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. So the, does that mean that, that the nobodies or perhaps Diz are the Lali Lulelo? Well, they are stealing words. Yeah. We can't say Lali Lulelo because the Lali Lulelo don't allow us to say Lali Lulelo. 
<laughs> the only thing we know for sure is that Diz is saying it's time for you to disappear, and Nami's like, no, you'll still kind of exist. Though Diz is trying to stop her from talking. Yep. They basically, he is, as much as he's been questionable now, he seems like a horrible creature now. Yeah, Diz sucks. Yeah, he really does. This is the first time, though, that we see the capital N nobody word show up. We yeah, have I think had it with or third. Yeah, other 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 than uh, it, Riku starting to call people nobody. So but, but um, it's more or less it has officially been upgraded from uh, noun to proper noun <laughs> and almost classification. Yeah, proper and, noun and classification. Now I'm saying like, look, we're part, we're half of a person. Mm-hmm. And then just to rub it in, the scene ends with we're out of time. Too many nobodies. <laughs> Namine and Diz are pulled away. Roxas is on his own. Yep. And now we fight through the match of a more. We go through a secret picture and we find ourselves in Diz's room. Yep. Namine reveals here that Roxas is also a nobody. Well, I think it's more she revealed herself was one. And, and what? No, that's what we were less. Well, she says like us, which more or less just like implies pretty heavily. Both of them are nobody. So, yeah. And now at his at this chair, Roxas has the mother of all flashback headaches. Yep. Because what he sees is the chair room and one of the funniest, funniest XL scenes ever had. This is the scene for which I made the clo- the cloak hood rule. Yeah. Because we scroll through a shot of all 13, Organization 13 members, and everyone we've already seen have their hoods down, and the ones we haven't met yet have their hoods up. Like, see Marvelusha, Larkseen, Vexen, who's in the shortest chair. <laughs> <Vexen. laughs> Take that, Vexen. They're all show. Vexen needs like, a booster wow, seat. <laughs> <laughs> or he demands, like, he demands one because his ego is too stunted. Yeah, Vexen demands a booster yeah. seat. So we, so it's just, it's just this Shaman. We see Roxas among them with mm-hmm. the cloak and sitting in one of the chairs. Yep. And then we see that the cloaked figure before, at the end of that fight, he had defeated Roxas. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're going to change his memories and put him somewhere until we need him. Yep. So Roxas wakes up and... It freaks the fuck out. Whatever life he thought he had was a complete lie just now. And the life he knew before, now he's remembered it, isn't that impressive anyways. Yeah. Um, he So he starts smashing Diz's screens with his keyblade. It's like... Quite horrible. And Roxas, I think I've said before, but like 358 over two days is a deeply emotional story to me. And thinking back on it now, it's like Roxas has basically been pushed along... For his entire existence. He really has. I, yeah, I don't even know 358. And all I can see here is even if theoretically we don't know all the details yet, we can tell his life was stolen. from. Yeah, it's like Roxas is one of my favorite characters in the series, and he gets the raw steel of mostly of pretty much everyone. But all he can do is press forward. Mm-hmm. He's still like he doesn't have any choices now. He still has to keep on going forward and he runs into Axel. And Axel, at this point, if he seems that his optimism is broken, too. Mm-hmm. Simply amazing, Roxas. Axel. You really do remember me this time. I'm so flattered. But you're too late. The room bursts in the flame, and this Roxas actually calls up Oathkeeper and Oblivion keyblades together. Two? Then there's a fight. And this is the real fight. Like, they're in a ring of fire. The ground burns you if you don't use certain reaction commands. And Axel does seem like he's going all out. Yeah, this is Axel at his absolute peak of power. He's This and, is him trying harder than he did against Sora in Castle Oblivion, in fact. 
because I don't remember him ever changing the environments. Now you could argue that maybe the the engine didn't allow it, but still, this makes this presents this differently. Mm-hmm. And this is also uh, Roxas at the height of his power. Oh yeah, well. yeah. And Roxas probably is- he's more powerful than Sora has ever been because yeah. Sora was never able to manifest two keyblades. And right. Roxas uses these things that he swings these two massive swords like they're. Nothing. Light as air, doing multiple combos, air combos, just smacking you like with 20 hits, like 20 hit blasts. Yeah, it is. So, a, yeah, it's a full on spectacle fight and it's great. It's a fun it's set. Not piece. the toughest, but it's not meant to be. Though I do remember I was already starting to have to do multiple tries on fights here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> so and then as the fight ends, the flames die down and Roxas has one more flashback of Axel when he left him. Mm-hmm. Just a quick conversation in the alleyway in the same place as where the deep dive fight happens. Get on their bad side and they'll destroy you. No one would miss me. That's not true. I would. Switching from the flashback to like present time, Axel appears to be fading away. Axel. Let's meet again in the next life. Yeah, I'll be waiting. Silly. Just because you have a next life. And Axel vanishes. God damn. It's it's a really emotional scene. For all his sardonic behavior, all his heartlessness, Axel really seems like he's feeling it here. Yeah, like there is an unspoken relationship between Axel and Roxas here that is far deeper than anything like we're given an idea of yet. And Axel and Roxas is an extremely popular ship, possibly even more popular than Sora Riku. And there's a good reason for that. <laughs> At the end of his path, Roxas walks through the bottom quarters of mansion. He passes Donald and Goofy out in the hallway in a couple of those pods. Mm-hmm. And he walks into the main pod room, just a big white room with Sora in a pod. And then Diz is standing there in front of him. At last, the Keyblade's chosen one. Who are you talking to? Me or Sora? To have a Sora, of course. You reside in darkness. What I need is someone who can move about the realm of light and destroy Organization 30. Why? Who are you? I am a servant of the world. <laughs> and if I'm a servant, then I should consider yourself a tool at best. Was that... was that supposed to be a joke? He calls the kingdom key again. Because I'm not laughing. He runs up to Diz, swipes through him, but Diz it just passes through him. You can see data and just he just vanishes an image. Then Diz reappears. My apologies. This is only a database projection. In Rage, Roxas attacks him over and over again, just completely fails to do any damage to the image. Come. Over here. I hate you so much. You should share some of that hatred with Sora. He's far too nice for his own good. No. My heart belongs to me. And with one more attack, he strikes at Diz, and the, the projection fades. The capsule in front of Roxas glows and begins to open, and they see Sora like standing, floating asleep directly in front of Roxas. Sora, you're lucky. Looks like my summer vacation is over. And just to add, as they pull away up to the air, Kingdom Hearts 2 logo appears. Yep, the title card. So I actually really like that line, though. Uh, God. Is, uh, your, he, you should share some of that hatred with Sora. He's far too nice for his own good. There's like this is Kingdom Hearts just completely showing this is the kind of story we're going for now. What do you think, everyone? <laughs> and I 
And I think uh, this type of story is possible for my current. God damn it. No, we're not allowed to make those references yet. Do you think anyone listening is going to wonder why we're so obsessed with making references we're apparently not allowed to? <laughs> so I I honestly love this whole Twilight Town scene. It's a really good it is. kind of palate cleanser uh, for trying to reimagine what Kingdom Hearts is because from it's very different than what Kingdom Hearts 1 was. Yeah, and I think it's trying to tell a way more complex story and it actually manages to do it, which is pretty yeah. impressive. And I'll tell you... When I was younger, I mean, I wasn't a kid. I was old enough that I was already an adult, but I didn't really understand what was going on here. Now, my lack of chain of memories didn't help with that, but the story is deliberately obscuring things. Yeah. Especially, when fi- especially without Final Mix, most of the scenes with the organization members were added for Final Mix. Right. Like, almost any scene with Axel and Roxas in the past, the scenes with the uh, the two, the unknown figure fighting Roxas, it's all not there. Yeah. And so, yeah, back in the day, I think I got to the point this point and i was just like it's over now i get to this point and i'm like oh damn it's over yeah it's like when in the next space when the next thing happens is sora wakes up after a few other things and that's when i, I do remember saying okay now i know what's now i kind of know what's happening though i still don't know why he was sleeping in a pod yeah but <laughs> with even with willingness to pay attention not even context now i understand just how horrible this story is we watched a young man's life be taken from him, and he was helpless to it. He found out everything around him was a lie. Yeah. We made Metal Gear Solid jokes, Dark City jokes, Truman Show jokes. I think we probably avoided The Matrix somewhere there, but we definitely could have because the world was was a data record. Yeah. Um, All those make sense. Yeah, the uh, data reality that Roxas escapes from, uh, like, you can dig into the lore for that all you want, but I think the core of it is the emotional heartbeat. As he said, his summer vacation is over. It seems like they were kind of just holding him there in that data world as a essentially they were more or less immersing Roxas in kind of this data scape in order to subsume him into Sora. Yep. It kind of like we get the implication that they decided they needed Roxas. We glossed over a few details saying that he that apparently Roxas was what Sora needed. Mm hmm. They'll be clear on exactly why, more but involves nobody. So not me said about being half a person. Right. They captured Roxas. It seems they beat him in the submission. So and Diz said we'll give him another personality to hide him from the pursuers. Yep. And and then the restoration happened, and at the end it was time to uh well push them together. So what I think I will say is that like um this is gonna be the first of many bit beats in the next phase of Kingdom Hearts where We'll be told by the story that nobodies are non-persons, they don't exist, and they don't have the right to exist. And yet we are given these very rich characterizations from nobodies that make it very clear that they are very real people. Axel expresses sorrow, frustration, like a, a betrayal from his friend, mm-hmm. wistfulness at what appeared to be his end. Mm-hmm. Yep. And through this whole thing, we have people insisting that nobodies don't have emotions. And if they think they have emotions, they're just, they're just lying to you. And so the story of Roxas and Axel is a counterpoint to that idea. A big old question mark to their points. Mm-hmm. And it's a very important theme of the story going forward. And also just probably my favorite part of this next phase of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I will am say I that I am so much Kingdom Hearts 2 affected me when I first played it, when it was released. I can see that. And I was such a, a nerd for Kingdom Hearts 2 
that I actually like doodled up fan art of like myself <laughs> as a nobody when I was a teenager. <laughs> well, it's easy. You put your face on a cloak. Yep. Yep. But <laughs> maybe you give yourself a funny weapon. We have reached the end of this uh, very wrenching episode. It's been a long road just for this one part. Yeah, but the rest of Kingdom Hearts 2 will go a bit faster. There's a lot to go through here. Even with some of the funny little diversions like the Seven Mysteries, this was a very densely told piece of story with a lot to portray. Yep, I think they do a better job with the Disney worlds here in Kingdom Hearts 2, though they do an even Mm, better job in Kingdom Hearts 3. mm, We'll be able to talk about that more in a couple of episodes. But I give you a eh on that for now. There's there are some there are some benefits to what they do and there's some downsides. But we'll talk about that in a bit. So but now we've reached the end of I think it's been a very long discussion. Yep. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. There was this guy who did really shitty uh, game reviews in the 90s. And he, when he did FF8, I mean, he literally was, he became a medic when people upload a bunch of them a couple decades later. But when he said Final Fantasy VIII, he ends at the end say, by the way, if there's no voice acting in FF9, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I hope he didn't he... kill himself. <laughs>So I was playing Final Fantasy VIII recently, and I got to a point where Fujin actually starts talking in full sentences, and it was just like, I do not remember anything in this part of this game, but this is the weirdest thing to happen in this part of this game. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to keep with the speech patterns, you know? Well, let's look at this photograph. Mm -hmm. And all the photos... Right Right over your head, guys. Uh, no Nickelback <laughs> references, please. Absolutely none. I do not want to talk about bad Canadian rock bands. You got your Keyblade Black, or you got your Keyblade Keyblade back. I I apparently have trouble with that. So yes, Roxas gets his Keyblade Black. <laughs> Roxas gets his Keyblade. <laughs> do you need a minute okay uh, okay this is, anyway, this is going to be outtake this is an outtake moment for sure i'll take over keyblade mm-hmm. is here we're good okay, okay. okay. Yeah.